What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. I may have told you before, the best Thanksgiving I ever had, bar none, was when I, had, when, when I was told by my boss at Mercy Hospital, you have to work on Thanksgiving. I thought, work on Thanksgiving? It's so unjust. But I went in there. I had to work on Thanksgiving. Nobody was there at the research lab at Mercy Hospital there. I open up the lab. I open up the lab there, and no one is there. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a horrible day. I had to work all day. But what happened was that, like Christian was saying, I had a hymnal there. I just started singing. I thought, no, you Nobody knows how lousy I sing because, you know, I'm singing here all alone. And I sang and sang and sang, and I got happier and happier. That was the best Thanksgiving I ever had because it was a time of really being thankful to God. Now, but as far as getting alone, like I just described to you, you know, that's the danger with the holiday of Thanksgiving. It's also danger with the holiday of Passover, Passover time. And if you're Jewish, you know that everybody's going to be celebrating Passover. If you're observant, you'll know that every observant house is going to be turned upside down, and there's going to be this deleavening process, and there's going to be the cooking and the cooking and the cooking and, and, and the eating and the foods you don't eat all, all year round, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as getting alone, getting alone and having the meaning of Passover have a deep impact on the soul, well, not really. Yeah, and, and no more getting alone and having the deep meaning of thanksgiving have a deep impact on the, on the soul? Well, in fact, during Thanksgiving, there's, all, there's sometimes this time around the table when it's, it's, all, it's like a little awkward, and people go around and say, well, what are you personally thankful for? And it's like, thankful for? Let's see, I'm thankful for this nice meal. <laughs> or I'm thankful that we're all here together. And that's what we do for Passover too. If you went around the people and you said, okay, what are you deeply personally thankful for? What's the deep impact for you on Passover? What is it? They'd go, uh, good food? Uh, great to be with the family? Uh, connects me with my heritage. You know? But if you said, well, what about Egypt? They'd go, Egypt? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw the movie, Ten Commandments. Yeah, Egypt, that's nice too. But that's just the point that God was making here because he said in, in Exodus 23, 14, this is a feast, you keep a feast unto me. 
When he says keep a feast unto me, that changes everything because God's saying you when you when you keep the feast of Passover, you like be in, you can be in a big group of people, your family and everybody. But there comes this time when you're alone. You're in a group, but you're alone, just between me and you. And you're keeping this feast to me, and you're remembering. And that's all that's what's tied up when God says unto the Lord. It means get alone in heart personally face-to-face with Jehovah Jesus and realize that the Passover and the, and the Days of Unleavened Bread, it means something between you and God. What's it mean? Well, it's kind of like communion, kind of like communion. And, we, and, you know, this is the same with communion, that very easy for us. We're in a group like this. We have communion. There's a lot of we to that. There's a lot of ourselves to that. There's a lot of our church to that. Everyone's taking the elements, the bread or the wine or the juice, whatever, at the same time, and they're eating it at the same time so that they're all in sync, and they say, some of them say amen at the same time. Everybody's all together, and, it's, and, and the point is it's along with everyone else, and God is using this term in Exodus 23, unto me, unto me, unto me, because communion is supposed to be a time when, when we see ourselves as maybe like we kind of picture for that moment, we're alone in this room. Nobody else is in this room, just me and God. And we're hearing God say things like, uh, uh, like, uh, like 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 25, or 28. 1 Corinthians 11, 28. This is during the communion time, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that cup and drink of that, uh, drink, eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So to say, let a man examine himself. That's personal, very personal statement. Each person where God is saying, come clean now, come clean and, 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 and deal with sin. That's part of the unto me part. Well, uh, you know, and this is what God is saying here. So the feast of Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread was to be kept as God said, unto me, which means very personal, very individual. And so what does it all personally mean? Well, first of all, Passover is all about deliverance. It's all about deliverance. Historically, Passover was when Israel was in a no way out bondage that, that, that was killing them. That's what Egypt was. It was a no way out. There was no escape out from that. And this is the history here of Passover, that each person should be brought into that remembrance of when each of us were in our own sin. We were in the bondage to our own sin, and there was no way out. There was no pulling up our bootstraps to get out of the mess. It's kind of like the kind of like the crab traps, the lobster traps that are used, where the animal finds this narrow opening here, he falls down, and then he's trapped. He can't get out. That's what sin was. Personal sin was like Egypt that enslaved us. Personal sin was like Egypt that was killing us, like it was killing the Jewish people. And so that's what the Passover is from a personal point of view. It's all about deliverance. And Passover is all about blood, the blood of the family lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb for each family. When God told each family, he said in Exodus 12, 13, Exodus 12, 13, the blood shall be to you for a token, a sign upon the houses where you are. Now, see, now notice how this is divided up. God says the blood's going to be something to you and the blood's going to be something to me. So I'm going to read it again so you look at it from this point of view. The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the blood, for uh, so what does that mean? That means the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is all symbolized in the Passover. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ 
is something that is a token to us. It's what we point to. We point to the, Lord, to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we say, that blood is why I have reconciliation with God. Because people fall into two categories, and, and it all comes out in judgment. The two categories are, either a person can stand before God and say, I'm standing here on my own record. I'm gonna stand up for the life I've lived. I'm, I'm not as bad as, as some other people. I didn't murder anybody, etc. And I'm gonna stand here, and if that's the case, then that person will be cast directly into hell. That's one category. There'll be those resounding, horrible four words, I never knew you, and so depart from me. That's one option of standing based on his own works. Since you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really a pretty good person. I helped a lot of old ladies across the street. I want you to remember that. And if that's the case, that's a no-go. Or a person can stand there and say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and I came to you as a dirty, rotten sinner, and I put my faith and trust in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm pointing to that blood, and I'm saying, that blood is my reconciliation with you. And then the Lord Jesus Christ says, enter in to the kingdom. Those are only two categories. It's just like that. And so the blood, he says, it's a token to you. It's what we point to. And we say, that's the basis for my peace with God. That's the basis for my forgiveness. That's the blood that cleanses me. That's pointing to the blood. He says, it's gonna be a token to you. And then God, from the other side, and he looks at the blood, he looks at the blood, he's focused on the blood, and he says, peace, you have peace with God. He looks at the blood, and he says, you're reconciled to God. He looks at the blood, he says, your sins are forgiven. See, it's all about the blood. So it's all about the blood. And that's the personal application. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18, you were redeemed, not with corruptible things as silver and gold. He goes on and says, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without spot, without blemish. So that's the first thing. Now, because in Israel, and you can imagine this, that when they come into the promised land there, they're prone to see themselves as, well, we're here now, we made it, wow, you know, and, and just forget about, forget about how they got there, how they got there. I mean, I mean here, this, what we're talking about with the Passover happened 3,000 years ago. And it's very easy to forget what happened 3,000 years ago. Very easy to forget what happened 20 minutes ago, much less 3,000 years ago. And God knew that. So he instituted this annual remembrance to remember what happened 3,000 years ago on that first Passover, which is why, 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 why in a Passover Seder it's celebrated, because it's a retelling of what happened. It's a reminding of what happened 3,000 years ago. It's very, God knows, it's very easy for you to forget what happened 2,000 years ago when the Lord Jesus was killed for our sins. And that's why he instituted the communion as a don't forget as a let me re, as, as let this be a reminder to you and and, and when he said in Luke 22:19 Luke 22:19 he took bread gave thanks break it gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me and so when he says that it was the for the purpose of not forgetting so that brings this whole don't forget concept to the unleavened bread. Now, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there's really three parts to it. There's the, there's the part before the unleavened bread, when, when they're eating leavened bread, they're eating Twinkies. And then there's the part of 
what changed it all, which is the first day of the unleavened bread, which is Passover. And then there are the days of unleavened bread, the seven days of unleavened bread. So the first time point is when they eat leavened bread. Like we said, leaven speaks of sin. And, and God says, I don't want you to forget that. I don't want you to forget that. Because that was a period in life that you should never, ever forget. I told you that one time that I have this friend uh, who's a missionary in uh, Indonesia, and he adopted a couple of uh, Indonesian kids, and, uh, and they grew up with him in, the, in, in, in a Christian home in the jungle there in Indonesia, and these uh, Indonesian kids that came from Jakarta, from the bad side of Jakarta, and, and so they, 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 all of a sudden the kids started to get rebellious, and they said, uh, we don't like living here anymore. We want to go back to where we came from. We want to go back to uh, the streets of Jakarta. And he kept going on and on and on. So my friend says, okay, we'll go back. So he took them back to the ugliness of the streets of that part of Jakarta, the streets of it, with, with the violence and everything. And then they said, okay, we want to go home with you now. And so, but God wants us to do that in our minds. Go back in our minds and to remember the awfulness of, the, of our days, B.C. days, before Christ days. And, and actually, you can look at the whole of, of the New Testament, not the whole, but you can look at parts of the New Testament and sort of translate it into these before unleavened bread, Passover, and after, and days of unleavened bread. For example, you can look at Ephesians 2.1. Ephesians 2.1, and you can see where it says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, whereas in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. That's days of, unle of leaven bread. That's before. That's our before days, the days of leaven, the old life of leaven. Then it goes on in Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love worth, he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, for by grace you are saved. That's Passover. That's the first day of unleavened bread. Then he goes on and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's the days of unleavened bread. You know, when it says in, in Romans 12 too, the very familiar, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you the, 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 the present your bodies a living sacrifice to God. Then it says in Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world. That's the days of leaven but be ye transformed by the renewing of your, law, of, your, of your mind. That's the Passover. And that, that you may prove, you might live out, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the days of unleavened bread. All these things. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. That's the days of leavened bread. All things are become new. That's the Passover and the going on, the unleavened bread and so forth. So you can look at it in this point of view. But when comes the, the Passover itself, the Passover itself, where the person is putting the blood, or the family is putting the blood on the door, and they're asking the question, is it really going to protect me? Am I really going to be saved from the angel of death? I hear a lot of screaming out there in the land of Egypt. Is that really going to work? Same way, a person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I really going to be saved? How do I know I'm going to be saved? I doubt a lot of things, and I doubt this. And then the promise comes. The promise came to the family. 
When I see the blood, don't worry. When I see the blood, I will pass over. The same way in Acts 2.21, Acts 2.21. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.9, Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 1 John 1.9, 1 John 1.9. 1 1, if we confess our sins, if we tell God we're a dirty, rotten sinner, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means if we come to God and we say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, God's gonna say, oh, you are? That's terrible, I don't like you. No, so we can confess, he says, I'll do it. I will forgive you, I will cleanse you. This is the point of the personal Passover. And from this point on, God says, now I want you to go into days of unleavened bread, days of unleavened bread. This is the first time of the year when all the males were to gather together. They're to come out for this feast of unleavened bread, the new life. And it's significant that when God is referring to it, he's not calling it the Passover, he's calling it the feast of unleavened bread because the common problem today is people think that, well, the only goal for me in life is just to get saved. I go get saved, and then I can live however I want to. And so people would, in that sense, want to call this time the Passover. But God says, no, it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because the goal here is that you should be saved and that you should live a life for Christ. You should live a life for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a life of unleavened bread. Sin shall no more have dominion over you. So that's the riot. It's called the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, because we've been saved that way, to, be, to have a new life in Christ. Okay, now, that was the first gathering. God said, this is very important. You must gather, come out of whatever you're doing, stop your work, go to, go to the place I will choose, which is later be Jerusalem, and, and keep this feast. The second gathering, the second congregation, is called, in Exodus 23.16, we saw Exodus 23.16, the Feast of Harvest. The first fruits, the feast of harvest of the first fruits. Now, this was seven weeks after the Passover, seven weeks being seven times 749. And, and so therefore, it's called, it's called the feast of Shavuot, Shavuot, seven. And on the next day after that is the 50th day, and this is the celebration of the first fruits, 50 Greek Pentecost, 50 is the Shavuot, the first fruits. This is the time when the first fruits of the harvest are brought into God and they're dedicated to God. Now, this is a kind of a tenuous time because it's, the harvest has come. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I hope there's going to be a, a, a good harvest. This is just the first part. And so, and God says, I know the position you're in, and now you need to come to me out of all of Israel, bring your first fruits, and say, Lord, at this feast of first fruits, I don't know what the time, what, what the future is going to hold, but I'm trusting you. I'm depending on you for a good harvest in the future. Trust God. It, God says, I want this feast to remove anxiety from you for the future. That's why we all need a good dose of this, this first fruits uh, feast here. And, and then, the, and then, so then, the second feast, the second feast here is that all, all, everybody comes together. Now, the heathen had a practice too. The heathen were also nervous about the future in their, in their, in their harvest. So the heathen had a practice where they did something unbelievably cruel, unbelievably against nature, where they took a kid who was dependent on the milk of the mother, and then they took the milk of the mother and used that 
as a medium for destroying the kid, where they boiled the kid in the milk of the mother. It was very terrible. And then they sprinkled that mixture on the crops and the gardens so that as, as, as a superstitious act to appease the false gods so that they would have uh, a good harvest. And God said specifically, don't you do this. And that's what he said in Exodus 23, 19. Exodus 23, 19. Thou shalt not seeth a kid in his mother's milk. That was he talking about that practice. He's not talking about, he's not talking about eating beef stroganoff, you know, which is made with milk and, and meat. Not talking about that. Not, he's not talking about, anyway. So this is the, this is the feast here. Of, of the first fruit. So the first feast again, remembrance of the sin that I lived in, the leaven, remembrance of the salvation that saved me, Passover, remembrance that I have a new life in Christ, days of unleavened bread. The second feast is a statement of I'm dependent on God for the future. I'm going to depend on, uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Now, the third time when all the males were to come before God is called in Exodus 23, 16, the feast of ingathering, the feast of ingathering. This is the end of the year. This is when they have had a harvest, and this is the time, the end of the harvest, and this is the time when Israel was to come back together, all together there, and, and they were to give thanks to God for the harvest. It's so easy for us to not be thankful it's so easy for us not to have the attitude of gratitude. It's, it's so easy for us to just go on our merry way like those nine lepers that the Lord Jesus cleansed and they just, they looked at themselves and says, I'm so glad to be out of this mess. This is great. This is wonderful. I got a lot of things to do. I got a lot of people to see that I couldn't see. And then off they went in their new life, never for one minute thinking to themselves, how'd this happen to me? But there was, it's so hard to be like that one leper who said, first order of business, I gotta thank him who cleansed me. Turns around with a loud voice, gives thanks to the Lord Jesus, glorifies God. Now, this is the purpose of the third ingathering feast. This is the purpose there. It's a feast of giving thanks. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called the Feast of Sukkot because they built booths and they lived there. And that was also give me thanks. They built because during this time of this 40 years of wandering in the desert there, during that time, there was no harvest. There was no planting. There was no first fruits. There was no ingathering there. How they eat? The bakeries of heaven rained down bread on them. And they had no idea what that was. They called it manna, which means what's this? So, the, the, so during that time, for 40 years, every single day, except, on the, except for the Sabbath when they got twice as much before, but every day they were provided for by this heavenly food while they were living in tents. So God said, during this time of the year, you congregate to me, you live in tents. Remember how I provided for you, and it's at the end of the harvest, you also give thanks for what, what I've done for you. So these are the three times for the meetings when God called all of Israel to come together. Again, remembrance of salvation, dependence on the future, thanksgiving for the past. That's the three meetings per year. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for instituting this and help us, Lord, to remember 
the Lord Jesus and how he saved us with his shed blood. Lord, help us to depend on you and trust you for the future. Help us to be thankful. We pray in Jesus' name. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.